we always feel uncomfortable and we all want to feel good. But we've got this mistaken idea that we can always feel good or that we can get rid of bad feelings when we feel them. Like that, un- that uncomfortable and it can be anger, it can be sadness, it can be anything. And it's a physical sensation, that sensation that's stuck yeah. in your chest. And and what I was given was a framework to go, if you feel that without restriction, without labelling, without judgement, just the raw take it on, like let it pass through you. So it's the most courageous thing I feel like I've, I've ever been taught to do. You're listening to Trade Mutt's 120 Grit Podcast, the podcast for the working class, hosted by Dan Allen and Ed Ross, the co-founders of Trade Mutt. If you're a fan of Trade Mutt's 120 Grit, we'd love to hear what you think. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademutt.com. <sighs> Hurry up. Quicker. Come on. Bloody hell. You're late again. What is, what is going on? Do not even start with me. Well, I have Bloody to. COVID, there's things going on everywhere. I've got staff working from home. I don't know what's going on. It's impossible to manage. <laughs> it sounds like it. Have you got anything to sort of uh, make your life a bit easier? Yeah, post-it notes, diary, couple of pens. Yeah, like, no, nah, sounds great. Yeah. You know there's something out there that can fix all that? What is it, magic it's a bit wand? of software, bit of software. And it's actually uh, our new podcast sponsor, Simpro. They offer a solution to save businesses just like yours. It's a simple platform. It allows trades to take back control by managing and tracking inventory, resources and billing across all of their jobs in one single system. So if you're looking for a tool that can help you balance your business's cost, visit Simpro's website, www.simprogroup.com and fix your shit up. I will. I'll be getting on to them. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Trade Mutt's latest episode of the 120 Grit podcast, the podcast for the working class. Uh, we're fortunate enough to have another fantastic guest in here today. Uh, he's a yoga teacher, he's a physio by trade, and he's also a bloke with a newfound love of chicken falafel kebabs. His name is Oliver Crosley. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Mate, we've been wanting to get you in here for a while, and as I said when you came in, I was a bit disappointed that you didn't walk into our office on your hands because, you know, we see a lot of that from you. Yeah, yeah, don't mind a handstand. It's pretty. I'll just put your mic in. There, there you go. Yeah, there you go. You're in there. All right. Yeah, don't mind a handstand. It's good fun. I don't know. I, I just have no idea. I'd love to be able to do it. I always ask myself anytime I try, but the beach is the place that I feel safe to try to do it because yeah. it's a pretty soft landing. A lot of people feel that. I, I um, give me like two weeks, and I can get anyone. I really? reckon free handstanding. It's the smallest amount of tips. It's um. Yeah, and I mean it's a weird tangent, but in the yoga world, like we're not the best at it. Like when you, because the circus hand balances, it's a trade, and it comes from Ukraine, and all these circus hand balances will come out, and they and they've been like doing workshops in all the yoga world. And now that yoga's so big, everyone's like, "Well, I want to get the perfect handstand." And these people, like you know, Cirque du Soleil was in Brisbane recently, dudes on like twenty meter high st- stack chairs on one arm and you're like, yeah, they know their stuff. But yeah, and so we're learning all these tricks and that's um and you progress really quickly. I couldn't hold one like two years ago. Really? Um, can nearly do a one arm handstand. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. My God. <laughs> well we should probably give a backstory yeah, I, was how just, we I was just about to say this has come through <laughs> a trademark customer who 
had a family connection with me and where I'm from, and we've been able to meet you through it. So Charlie Crosley's your old boy, and Shout I'm out. sure he'd be listening. <laughs> Proud as fucking punch, <laughs> driving out to put out some green caps somewhere big, between, grin on his face. between Townsville <laughs> and Julia Creek. <laughs> um, yeah, but Charlie bought one of our shirts in the original pre-sale when we first launched. He in, the, in the trade money in internet trade scam, money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the online, the online fraud, and. Um, yeah, we ran into him and our first it was our first guest speaker event yeah. at Tennant Creek, a fucking oh, all place. Barkley beef dinner. And we walked in there about, I don't know, twenty minutes early because we were as fucking green as anything and really, really worried about fucking We were making, nervous. We were very fucking yeah. nervous. And um yeah, just making sure we're there on time. And uh, we walk in and this bloke's there drinking a fucking stubby of Great Northern goes, I own one of those shirts. I said, <laughs> fucking do you? And we'd be, yeah, it was it. Well, mates, mates ever since. Yeah. He's your biggest fan, I swear. Mate, we're his biggest fan. He's, <laughs> he's unreal. Yeah, some awesome stories. You might like, yeah, a really, really touching story from your old boy early on in the piece about the impact that a trademark shirt had in the conversations that he had at Richmond Field Day. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah, it was, just, it was at that point having a conversation with a bloke like your old man that we thought, holy shit, these things are doing, you know. What they're intended to do um, And yeah We were just chuffed So yeah Huge supporter Yeah He's a fucking legend So it's great to have you in finally Yeah Thanks guys Well to to give a bit of a background So you're Originally from Darwin You're up in Darwin For most of it Yeah it's a bit weird Well thanks to The man himself We've travelled a bit of the country So I was like well, Darwin was high school I feel like that's home Mainly because I'm Sorry, Townsville, not the biggest fan. Um, <laughs> although I spent most of my life in Townsville, my girlfriend will be angry at me for saying this. Um, uh, but, you know, I was, I was born in Sydney. We went all over the place, but mainly North Queensland and Darwin. Yeah, cool. Darwin's uh, a good spot. Yeah. So you are a New South Welshman. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Blues supporter. Yeah, good. Same team, bro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck wits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So uh, I, I suppose we want to sort of get to the journey of how you sort of became a physio and a, and a yoga mm. teacher, you know, like a bloke from Darwin. Fuck, I don't know how many blokes from Darwin become yoga teachers, you yeah, know what I mean? It's not common. I certainly didn't see this. I, um, I thought I was going to I was gonna be a hotshot banking dude. And Is that, Was that the dream? Was yeah, it? I don't know. I had this weird like capitalist <laughs> virus in my head where I was like, I'm going to yeah, be this big suit dude. And dad was pretty keen. He helped, I mean, he helped me with everything. He's, he's such a supportive dude, but, um, we, yeah. And then I was going to go to Melbourne uni and do economics and I did it for a bit, but, um, yeah, I, it was, I mean, when I was in high school, we were, I was at this really cool high school. It doesn't exist anymore in Darwin. It's called Cormilda and it had 30% like indigenous borders from all over the, all over the territory. Yeah. And because of that, they had this, um, program called the gap program or latitude. It was called, um, and they do gap year stuff and all these people from across the world would come and be like boarding parents with these indigenous kids because it was like that's pretty cool if you're like a you just finished high school in Canada and you're gonna live in this high, sc- high school in Darwin and do all these fun trips to these indigenous kids and they were so awesome except when you play AFL because I'm terrible and they're amazing but um yeah and so anyway so they advertised this program they're like oh, after school you can do all this stuff like there's these gap year things and everyone wanted to do a gap year some of us I don't know instead of going straight into uni and there's this book and they hand it to you and you can go to England like every every Aussie kid wants to like go to an English boarding school and be a parent or whatever anyway scrolled through there was Vanuatu you could live on the beach and then there was an India one and there was this picture of this girl Australian girl in a jumper standing on top of a cement building with a bunch of little I think they were nuns in there and probably about nine to 15 years old and in the background is this mountain and I was like that looks uncomfortable but I want to do it. 
and I still don't know why. Like, I've I, I said to my parents, said to everyone, I'm like, I never really understood why, but then I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. So I went to India. <laughs> what were your mates thinking? I, I don't know. They were just like, they were like, oh, he's on. I was always probably a bit different, but they were like, yeah, you, you, oh, he's just going to do this thing. But I had to get the money for it. So, like, mum worked. We were in Darwin and, like, Paspali Pearls are there. Some people have probably heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to get the money for it, that was pretty cool. It was a good year, um, 20. 2011, I got a job with one of my best mates, Jordan Conrad, and we went on the Pass Bailey Pearling Boats as pearl chippers or shell chippers. It's the roughest job nearly on earth. (laughs) You go out for two weeks, you work 12-hour days straight, 14 days straight, and you come back for a week, and then you go out again. Did you pocket any pearls? No. The the feds would be (laughs) after me. Not officially. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk after the show. Yeah. No, nah, it was all above board. It was all above board. I didn't do anything. No, um, <laughs> but I did get a. I got a shell. They let you take a, a shell home, a mother like mother of pearl shell. So I've still got that at home. It's pretty cool because they set like every part of the shell. They would sell off to um to different like I mean button industries died a bit now with plastic, but they used to sell the the shell bit off to Europe. They'd sell the pearl. They sell the meat. The meat is really good. Tastes like a little chicken nugget. Really, bloody expensive, but really? it's good. Like, yeah, Jesus, know that. No? Well, I didn't know there was meat in pearls. Yeah. Is yeah. that ridiculous? No, no, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I, you got me. Yeah. So no, you, I didn't know. So you were pearl, So you were shelling pearls. Shell, yeah, so you, you pull out the shell and, and because it's warm water, it gr- like grows all this crap on it. And, yeah, yeah. And they have to, yeah, you, so you get a, sh- a chisel, three blokes on a barge, there's all these barges and you live on this big ship and you go out in these barges, pull up these panels and they've got either six or eight shells in them. They're heavy, like 10 to 20 kilo panels and you pull them on, put them onto a deck and then you all chip them like, with a chisel, whacking off whatever gross All stuff. the dags, the dingleberries. Yeah. And then, oh, man, and there's one dingleberry called fireweed, and I, th- I think I still have scars on my arm from it. It buddy stings. Really? Um, yeah, I'm sure someone out there knows what fireweed so you is. So you earned your money to get to India then? Yeah, I did. <laughs> anyway, so I got that. And then, yeah, it was really cool. Um, and then, yeah, just went, went to India on the night of my 18th birthday. Really? Much to my poor mum's um, sadness. She was a very upset lady that night, leaving in Sydney Airport. But oh she no. was, I mean, like any parent, she's like... Is he ever <laughs> going to come back? Yeah, why are you leaving? <laughs> He's going to marry an Indian girl and stay there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they all think. <laughs> oh, man, could you imagine? Yeah, because they're just thinking about the grandkids at that stage. <laughs> no. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so how long, were you, how long were you in India for? It was like oh, July... It was four and a half months. Um, so I came back 23rd of December, went on the 1st of August. Anyway, we so what that gig was from that brochure back in Darwin at high school was a monastery, a Tibetan monastery. And I had no idea about Tibet. I had no idea about monks, Buddhism, anything. Like, you know, my, my dad's a was a stock and station agent. Both mum and dad came from rural, f- like, farming families in Western New South Wales and Queensland. And so I was like, mm, okay, I uh, better read up on this. And dad's got a cousin, I practically call her my auntie, and I was like, she's into Tibetan Buddhism and she's this lady who lives in Sydney and Anna's lovely. I'm very grateful to her because this, this ended up shifting where my life went. And she told me to read this book, so I was on the Pearl Farms, read this book called The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. It's a bit weird now that I look back on it because it had a lot of stuff in it. But anyway, and they talked about all this Buddhist stuff and like all these ideas and theories and why you practice meditation. And it just, you know, when you read something and you go, 
Jeez, why wasn't I told this 10 years earlier? Fuck, we've been saying that for two years. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known this. We've been saying that. Mm. Yeah, mm. but yes, can mm. totally fucking yeah, yeah. understand. Yeah, and like it was it was just practical stuff because you, you, we all know like you, you, we all know our own habits or we hopefully do over time, pay attention to yourself and know how you work. And I was just frustrated with myself and how I did certain things and how I was just, just a bit... Oh, a bit grumpy. I mean, probably didn't come across like that, but we've all got like our own yeah. emotional ticks, and you mm. just go far out. Like, I wish at primary school it was like, right, five plus five equals 10. And if you do this stuff with your thinking, you're going to get sad. And if you do this stuff instead, you'll tend to be a little bit more adaptable and kind of steady and happy. Mm. And yeah, so I read that book and was like, wow, keen. All right, let's get on this plane. And flew into India. Delhi was full on, like, nightmare. I love the city though. It's really good fun. Recommend it to anyone who wants to travel. But um, it looks full on. It's so much yeah. fun. Is yeah. that the thing where you like cross the road and you can't stop? Like you can cross <laughs> oh, the road when yeah. they're all travelling, but don't fucking stop or move. You like hesitate. you just got to keep keep walking, <laughs> and they'll miss you. But like, is that it? Yeah, that's it. I reckon yeah. it's pretty <laughs> bad. Crazy, like right? <laughs> I've heard that's like really bad in Vietnam, but yeah, India's like that too. There's yeah. this big in the middle of New Delhi. There's a roundabout, and it's nine lanes, <laughs> and like walking across that. 18 when you haven't really been in a city bigger than sydney it's yeah it's pretty dumb. most people struggle with the two lane roundabout <laughs> and in vietnam all you have to worry about the rule is just worry about what's in front of you and every single person behind you is just looking at what's in front and then it's yeah. like a perfect storm yeah, yeah yeah oh man full on but yeah so that was good and then and then like there was a bunch of us so we all like because there's a, a bunch of other volunteers through this agency from across australia and and i had this canadian bloke um, Dan that was getting put into this monastery with me and there was a bunch of other of us and we all hung out for a week in Delhi and then we went off to this monastery. So I got sent up to this state that's in the northwest of India, just at the bottom of the Himalayas and it's called Himachal Pradesh, which just means state of big hills like Himachal. Is Hill. it fucking gorgeous? Yeah, it's stunning, mate. Like I got a good story about like Aussies in Himachal Pradesh because there's probably the prettiest cricket stadium I've ever seen in my life in a place called Dharamsala. And this is where the Dalai Lama lives. And this cricket field and, like, stadium, because the Indians love it, right? It's And, and the, all the, like, Gilchrist and that go over there, get a bit of coin back in the day, and, like, they st- still do it now when the virus stuff comes down. And and you look up from behind this cricket stadium and there's, like, snow-capped Himalayas. Wow. Yeah. Like, and these are, like, for an Aussie, you kind of go, oh, yeah, hills with snow. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, big. Like, I remember looking and just going, it doesn't stop. Like, yeah, it right. just keeps going up. And yeah. we've already come up yeah. like 2Ks. Yeah, well. Yeah, and, and anyway, so I, you, I, I remember being, we stopped in, jumped off the bus, look out, and we go, go into this cafe with this lady who's going to be our local helper. This, like, nervous Tibetan lady, and she was like, oh, telling, like, always, she was like my mum, like, doing all this extra stuff for us. Oh, here, yeah, you're going to have these clothes and these socks. It's going to be cold. <laughs> And then this, you get in this taxi and he can't speak English, but you're going to sit in this taxi for like two hours, you're going to drive out and then you'll be at the monastery. And I'm like, okay. I tell you what, this is pretty fun, like that, that feeling of adventure. Yeah. You go in, arrived at this monastery and, and they didn't expect us. They didn't think we were there yet. And most of them can't speak English. So it was a beautiful monastery, but it took him like a week to figure out what to do with it. So we were meant to <laughs> teach English. She's that she got oh, lumped, hey. lumped with you. Like, didn't know you were coming. They're like, oh, okay. Well, we didn't really uh, expect you here on a Friday. I thought it was going to be It's a easy. Tuesday. Just send him off for meditation. Off you go. That, that, <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah. Oh. I got a funny story about it. It took, 
you'd be surprised living in a monastery that it's so hard to learn how to meditate. I It took until the last day. I don't know why, whether it's like a karma thing, but um, there was like the monastery was split in two. So there was like an academic, because the Tibetans, like this is a long tradition. Like they've had this for like over a thousand years. So it's really part of their culture. It's like Catholicism and like, you know, how the, the first son becomes a, like a, a priest and similar thing with Tibetans and there's a split in the monastery where half of it's like dense, it's uni, you go in there meditating practice. I never saw them and they were the ones I wanted to chat with. And then the other half were the kids from like, it was like primary school, middle school, high school and they were there because there was an education where in these rural villages and communities they couldn't get it anywhere else. So if you go and be a monk until you're 18 you'll learn Tibetan, you'll learn a bit of logic and maybe arithmetic. And yeah, wow. Yeah. And um, so most of them didn't really, like they thought Buddha was a god. Like, like, which, And Buddhism's not really theistic. Like it doesn't think that there's a dude in the sky. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I found that interesting. But um, so yeah, I, it was only until the last day we were there, second last day we were there, that I went up to the abbot of the monastery and was like, I've been wanting to learn meditation. Like, can you teach Dan and I? And he took us up into his room and was like, okay, we'll sit down. Here's a cushion. Here's how you do it. And you follow your breath and you count to seven and that's it. And if you get distracted, keep counting. If you get seven, go to 14. If you get 14, go to 24. And if you get distracted, go back to one. And I was like, oh, that's a bit stupid. <laughs> it's That's too simple. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. And then, yeah, but yeah, long story short, now what, nearly eight years later, I'm still doing that. Yeah, right. Just counting the breath. Yeah, well, yeah. That's all you need to do. That's anyway, it. That's it. Yeah, people think meditation, oh, it's such a big field. Like, we could chat here for three hours about yeah, it. Yeah. Like, meditation could be a, a like, it, it's a complicated tool or a method. And luckily with, like, mindfulness, I mean, you guys spoke about it on the podcast before, it's uh, it's it's been become a bit more simplified. Mm. But, um. A lot of, especially coming out of India, people go, oh, meditation has to be complex. So, you know, you have to visualise your chakras, the lining and all this weird visualisation stuff. And But I and most people tend to gel with the simplest and often hardest method, which is just some kind of basic tool to anchor you into the moment. Yeah, right. What's happening now. And that's, I mean, your breath. Like, everyone's got a, a nose. No, Not everyone wants to believe in Ganesh or whoever and so you, everyone's got a nose everyone's breathing so you may as well pay attention to that yeah right hmm. so that was so how long were you there for over in india in it was there for four and a half months so we got we were teaching english in this monastery for four four months and um like three hours a day little kids didn't teach them much luckily my auntie from terrigal shout out penny rains thank you <laughs> sent over coloring books that helped and then i had like middle school middle school age and adults and yeah, then right. after that we went on a bit of a journey around India but luckily in between they do these random things where they go oh guys we're doing this puja for two weeks you're not going to teach well what, what's a puja and I was like oh it's this religious thing it's like worship like, I mean some of us have been to Bali or stuff like these really big religious holidays kind of like Tibetan Easter or something and then you we were just like oh, okay what do we do can we go and travel off to these other towns around the place and I'm like yeah yeah it's fine so one of the coolest trips we did was up over, um, you're talking about the Fink race before we yeah. started recording. Yeah, yeah. Best motorbike trip I reckon that I'll ever hope to do in, in my life is this road, and it's from Manali, which is this town or city at the top of Himachal Pradesh, the state, over the Himalayas, over the Tibetan plateau, 
onto in into where the Silk Road was, the old Silk Road. Wow. Thing. And it's this old Buddhist city called Lei, and it's like three point eight kilometers above sea level. Anyway, this road is is the highest road on earth. Like fuck, you could punt a footy a fair way up there. <laughs> oh yeah. mate, yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you kick it off the top. This is where it starts. You go up and you like instead of going like up around a mountain, you just do this zigzag up this hill and it was like mud. And I found out halfway up this muddy hill zigzagging and like so much so that when you look down you just couldn't see the town anymore. Yeah, wow. This this bus trip took 24 hours and they were like, "Oh yeah, so this first mountain is called Rotang La." And I was like, "Okay, well, what does what does that mean?" And they were like, "Oh, piles of dead bodies." <laughs> Right. Sweet. <laughs> Look out the Where side. else are we going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, okay. And then, like, these Israeli girls in the back of the bus got pretty nervous. And you look out and there's these trucks just tipped over that couldn't quite drive properly on the dirt tracks. <sighs> yeah. God. So yeah. it's fair to say it was a reasonably, you know, impactful sort of a trip for you. Eye-opening. Eye-opening? Yeah. yeah. No, it's super fun. Like, recommend it. Mainly just because it was so different. And I feel like for anyone, I mean, whatever culture you're from, whatever place... You know, like Longreach, we, we hold that town near and dear. <laughs> Lived there for a bit as a kid. I know Eddie's from there. But um, it's bloody flat and open. Yeah. So, like, yeah. mountains are pretty different. Whereas if you're from the mountains, and maybe Longreach is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah that is true, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. perspectives. Bit of water skiing on the Thompson. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is the best river ever. <laughs> it's a cracker. Yeah, I've had well. a fair bit of it up my nose. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> that brown water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cannot um, cannot single ski ski. So, yeah, anyway. That's tough. We'll, we'll get it next uh, time. We'll yeah. get it next time. Just start uh, kneeboard. So four and a half, four and a half months over yep. after school as a fresh eighteen year old, but you've come back, s- but with much direction. Like, where did you sort of want to go? Yeah. After that? So I still stuck with the the weird uh, this, this sort of capitalist bent. I was like, gonna you know become some corporate high achieving whatever. I look back and I'm like, I was pretty naive. So I was going to Melbourne Uni to do economics because I I still really like politics and economics and stuff i still find it fascinating fucking the same i love it yeah it's just like it's always captivating yeah yeah we we're just talking about mr trump before. yeah we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of but um yeah so I, I did a semester at melbourne uni most of my mates from darwin we all went to melbourne uni um awesome spot wish i could have stayed there but then at the end of the first semester for a bunch of reasons like bit of financial bit of I was out in like West Footscray in this like share house with a couple of guys and it was like too far from uni and anyway, it was all too hard and parents convinced me to move back home and do economics at James Cook, uh, at James Cook Uni and I was like, okay. And anyway, we're driving home with mum and I, I was probably like an hour south of Rocky on the drive home because we were taking the car back from Melbourne to Townsville and she, we were just talking about, it. I was like, I don't know, no, no beef on James Cook because I got my physio degree there but I was like oh economics isn't going to be the same there compared to Melbourne Uni right <laughs> like my lecturer at Melbourne Uni wrote the textbook so um <laughs> you, you, you probably know, you're, you're probably in the right class there <laughs> yeah I was like just pretty good so yeah. I was like oh, I feel like I, I should do something different and anyway my to give context to this my grandma was a physio all right yeah and I never got to meet her and she was she died of brain cancer when my mum was about my age and she was like remarkable like she graduated Sydney Uni and World War, after, at the end of World War Two, and then went and became a physio in London and, like, married in her late 30s. And, like, you know, for that time, as I'm sure we can all think about, it's pretty forward. Mm. Um, yeah, so an amazing woman. Anyway, so I, I, so I looked at mum and I went, you know what? And in year 11, I was pretty interested in sports science and stuff. And I was like, I want to do physio. She looked at me and, like, nearly stopped the car. And I was like, no, that's, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And so 
anyway, got back to Townsville. She was super stoked and kind of like a bit spooked by it all because like I never got to meet my grandma. But I feel like, you know, when you like look back in your family, you go, why am I different to the rest of my my dad, my mum? No one really Where fits. do I fit in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do I fit in? And then you, and I look back and I'm like, if I got to meet her, I feel like I'd understand yeah. why um, you are a bit the way you are. Kind yeah, of cool. That's, that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she, uh, anyway, so yeah, took a bit of time, but transferred across and got into physio at James Cook. And, um, and yeah, and then that was a, that was a bit of a journey. Some of that degree had a couple of hiccups through it as, yeah, I mean, you guys know, but, um, uh, I, I struggled with cardiorespiratory. So physio is a big degree for those who don't know. Most of us think of, you know, you've, you've done your ACL and footy and you go into your local physio and you after been there yeah oh yep (laughs) yeah know the process yeah yeah no i'm here exactly yeah Yeah. and for those of us who've seen hospitals or stroke wards or stuff there's there's different types of physio and Mm. so the main distinctions are musculoskeletal cardiorespiratory and neuro and i was super keen on musculoskeletal still am but uh cardiorespiratory is pretty hard so that's like when you're the hospital physio and you're and they're probably the most important physios at the moment with this virus stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Getting people up in ICU, walking, making sure that your your breathing's okay. Like, aside from the ICU docs or doctors, like, and the nurse, like, that sort of quartet's the, you know, the next important person. Gee, that's not something I would have thought about, um, given what's going on at the moment, that there's, you know... Um cardiorespiratory physios in hospitals mm. helping people who are recovering because there are people recovering yeah there are from, quite a lot. from covid yeah. Uh, yeah get them up and walking and get them going again i saw the best video the other day from an icu ward in, in the uk and there was this lady and she got stood up because like it's rough like the reason why icu is so scary and why we're so freaked out by this virus is because when you're in icu you get intubated mm. and you've got oh. a machine breathing for you and like if any of us have unfortunately like Never, I mean, you never want to really see an ICU ward unless you have to, um, or it's your work and you're helping people, but it's rough. Like, I've seen it at Royal Brisbane Women's Hospital and, like, people just stuck there and they can't move, they've got burns or whatever. Or they, and so standing someone up with a, with a breathing machine on is a big deal. It's like, it's yeah. a Herculean event. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah, they're a shocking place. My granddad was in there a few years ago when he was trying to check out when he was <laughs> fucking... <laughs> Yeah, oh, his geez. lungs were giving up on him and, like, yeah, we flew down there and saw him and we were like, holy, this is full on. Like, mm. it was, yeah, serious. And he's got that the nurse behind the perspex glasses, just like, that's just their job, just to sit yeah, there and one make sure person. They're, they're going. It's full on, yeah, it's a yeah. heavy, heavy thing. God. Mm, mm, really, and, yeah, we're lucky, I, I feel like, I mean, particularly in Queensland, like, our medical system, like, when I got to see that on uni placements, so good like the icu water or brisbane's awesome I'm definitely grateful we've got it yeah 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 it's awesome but anyway so i, I wasn't so good at cardio rest <laughs> yeah right. long story short I, I failed it twice and then um anyway and i when i came to redoing it on the third time that's when um yeah that's when my mum started to get sick mm. and she um I mean, early on in physio, she had a, a bit of a hiccup um, with her health, and it's such a it's such a shock to the system. Kind of like we're all feeling now, when like your your normal routine and your expectations, like oh, this is going to happen, twenty twenty is going to be all good, and then all of a sudden, boom, well, stuck at home or trying to traverse. Shit just changes very boom. suddenly. Your expectation yeah. of 
you, yeah, what life is just fucking instantaneously changes. Just goes, like, that's, that's not what this is supposed to be, is it? And then it's just like, the fuck's going on here? Yeah, yeah. And like when you're 22, you don't expect to at 2 a.m. in the morning be driving your mum to the emergency ward because she's got chest pain. And then it ends up being that that wasn't heart-related, but she ends up having like this massive tumour in her gallbladder or, com- or bile duct. And just and like we, and within two weeks, the, the GP's saying, you know, get your affairs in order, and we're all going. Whoa. Is this her first symptom that she had? Like this? Yeah, she and like it was really rough because Dad was away on work, and um, you know, <sighs> he's a, he's he travels a bit, and um, he I was just like, oh, got to uh, you know take it to the hospital, blah, blah blah, figure it out. There was chest pain, couldn't really figure out what was going on, and then they obviously they freak out, they do all these scans, and they pick up that, and they go, whoa, what's that? And, yeah, and luckily, speaking of being grateful for the medical system, this was the first round she got through was good, but we, she, Dad, absolute legend, took her down to Brisbane and um, I'm going to probably forget his name now, which is terrible, but I'm pretty sure it's Tom O'Rourke. He's one of Australia's best liver surgeons and he ended up cutting 80% of mum's liver out with her bile duct and gallbladder just because it was like close enough to not do chemo and so with with um cancer you generally i'm no expert but like um you generally go like or surgery then if it's too widespread chemo or if it's local enough radio like with breast cancer radiotherapy anyway so they cut it out and then like that's that's a pretty big deal luckily your liver grows back which is awesome um Unlike other things. Yeah, which is one thing that I only what? learned on House of Cards again watching uh, it the other day because Frank Cards? Underwood's liver yeah, grows back. But yes. <laughs> is this legit? Yeah, your liver does grow back. Fuck me. Yeah, I know, it's, it's pretty crazy. impressive. Yeah. 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 yeah, good old resilient livers. Yeah, yeah, where? <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and like it, it grows back. and But unfortunately through all that we had a bit of like, this is why I got a bit of a beef with health, right, and the yoga stuff and it's what's sort of become a big focus for everything I do with my life is – that mum had a longer complications afterwards because of the food she was told to eat. So, like, no beef on sustagen, but they told her to, like, eat all of that and all the stupid hospital food, and she ends up getting fatty liver disease with the 20% of the liver that she's got left, and her skin turns yellow, jaundice. Hopefully no one has to see that in their life, and she ends up looking like a Simpsons character. And, and then it's all because of this food. And so, anyway... She struggles to walk, blah, blah, blah. It's like a three-month journey to get her back to some level of normality. We move, she moves back to Townsville. And then, it, like, it gets good again. Um, and then sort of fast forward to me trying to get cardio done that third time. And, um, and she, was, she was, like, going great guns. Um, it was actually quite funny because, like, they, Dad and Mum would go out to field days out west, like Richmond and... And they and Dad would get made fun of because Mum was doing F forty five. She was like in a swimming squad. She was doing like four Ks three times a week. She was looking awesome, like bit of a glam. And, yeah. and Dad was punching. <laughs> Probably always was, but <laughs> and they're like Charlie, like well, you got to pick up your game. Like he's looking pretty good. And then he um, and she. Yeah, and then all of a sudden she just gets this back pain. And still to this day, I'll remember this as a physio because you've always got to keep out a look for these things called red flags. You know, so when something's not good, like a sign that to something more sinister. And uh, we, she kept, kept getting this back pain. Luckily she worked for a railway company and they, and they had physio there once a week. But 
they couldn't figure it out. And um, anyway, it got so bad, we ended up going into the hospital for some reason. You forget because there's so many trips. And it, and it had come back. Uh, cholangiocarcinoma is the name of the cancer. Pretty rare. And, um, and funnily enough, at that point, Dad had had this big um, get-together with this um, Without a Ribbon Foundation that you guys would have heard him talk about. Um, and he'd done a big bike ride around Australia. And by the time he got back, we'd figured out that she was really unwell again which was like a bad end of the trip um and she yeah i mean lots of stuff happening i don't want to bore anyone but um yeah she got diagnosed again and this time they were like she was really fragile struggling to walk and stuff like that and it was and the surgery her gastroenterologist was chatting with the surgeons down in brisbane and they're like oh man we don't know if this is going to work and it's basically a three-month d-day or two months like like now it's it's happening like She's probably not going to survive, guys. And and I actually remember that, like, speaking of when the rug gets pulled out, sitting in this ward before she got transferred to palliative, we didn't know yet. And I was sitting there with my one of my best mates, Aaron, and then mum was in the bed and we'd just... I'd go in there every night after uni just to hang out. Um, even just lie there and watch TV with her. And then... and whew, uh, She... The gastroenterologist came in and said, like, look, these are the options and... And mum and I both looked and said, well, like, what are the chances that she can get surgery or what are the chances she can survive this? And it was like, there's none, there's none really. Like, you're too fragile. And and just that moment where you know. And I'm kind of grateful for it because a lot of people lose people like that. And I got a, I got a chance to slowly, slow-ish say goodbye. And then, yeah, and then within, um, I don't know, I, I, I lost track of time in that period because, I mean, if anyone's dealt with that, probably you know time just sort of warps and she, yeah within like a month or two march yeah within a, to a month and a half she was gone holy shit fuck that's insane i mean how did you uh, the, the worst part is the the fucking toll on the story of like yeah it's clear you're better she's working roller out. coaster she's yeah. gone out and yeah, seen yeah, people yeah, yeah. and know she's been sick they're like yeah. fuck you look fantastic and then you've got to go through that again yeah, yeah I mean, how? Oh. Oh, yeah, it's a horrible feeling. It's um, crushing. Not, yeah, and and luckily, when you can compare that feeling to any other stuff you have to go through, you you, you know you've got a good comparator. But oh, it's it's yeah, it's I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It's really horrible. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah it's tragic. I, and it was a bad time too, because like I remember, we were still we were in like exams the day after she died, and like. Cardio respiratory. Yep. Oh god. I remember walking <laughs> in. To be honest, like I, uh, I mean, my story is not that bad because, like, I through all of this, I was thinking about this today and just going like, without, obviously, without family, like I've got the best dad and sister you could ever have ever. But um, mates, I had a, another friend, Aruna. You guys. You'll you'll eventually meet him. He's practically a brother. Dad calls him his brown son. He's, he's a <laughs> of <course> he <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what Dad does. <laughs> Ar- Aruna's uh, one of my best mates from physio, and yeah. he was living with us, and um, and he lived with us through through all of it. Mum came home and was palliative. We were like, I mean, speaking about like pain relieving drugs today with you, Dan, and like endone. Mum was on like a an astronomical amount of endo and she was like you know out of this world you could st- you really couldn't talk to her towards the end and um just walking around the house and and anyway my mate aruna best mate he had to walk into his oral exam like 
we call it a viva and in like medical professions like physio ot doctors all that sort of stuff you get given this scenario and in 15 minutes you got to tell the examiner usually lecturer what you're going to do and if it's good yeah pass tick if it's bad do it again or come back next year and aruna had to do it like 12 hours later after she passed away at like nearly midnight and aruna had to walk in the next day and then i had to walk in the day after but he and i i mean to 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 uh, the head of physio's credit Anne jones she like pushed <laughs> a, a tissue box towards me and said you don't have to do this and i was like nah mum wanted me to because all through palliative when she was with it she was like you're gonna keep studying because like go back to that car trip coming mm. home mm. This is a pretty meaningful thing for both of us. And all, through all the struggles of failing and redoing it, she was like, no, this is like, you've got to do this. You're going to be a physio. You're going to be a physio. And I didn't believe it. But then at that point, I was like, no, nah, going to do it. And thanks to the help of Chelsea Crow, who was up helping us out, she was helping me study, helping Aruna and I study. We got the two best marks for that Viva exam out of the grade. And I still to this day don't know how. <laughs> I, I blame it on mum. I reckon she intervened, but um, I'm not, and I'm not like a, a overly religious person, but yeah, no, I'm so yeah. weird. No, no, that I'll happens. I yeah. definitely believe that. You reckon uh, there was greater powers at play that day. You've got your grandma, and suddenly you've got your mother right there with you. Yeah, yeah. You, you literally, it was like that kind of Harry Potter moment where they're behind you. Shit, and that's like, powerful. That gives me tingle. Uh, that shit fucking gets me going. Eh? Yeah. We yeah. we say it all the time, like we'll have shit happen. And we've said on this podcast before, like we'll go to a meeting or meet someone or whatever. I wrote about it today. Yeah. That mate of yours must be up there pulling some strings and like having a laugh. Dan's mate yeah. is just up there just going, oh, yeah. fuck, they need a bit of help over here. Like, yeah. You know, it's just... Because it just keeps happening. Like, yeah. I was literally, I literally just finished writing that in our Barallan prison venture today and I was like, fuck, you know, same thing. It's just like there's, yeah. Something sometimes, going on. Sometimes there's, there's something shit going, going on. Yeah. But it's often it's enough just to know that you must be doing the right thing. Like that would have given you and Aruna and like such the, you know, the biggest um, power lift. Yeah. yeah. Just like, you know, and that's what was weird. Cause like grief for me was really interesting. Mm. Like through that period after she died, I felt really resilient and I did feel like the wheel was, wind was behind my sails. I was upset, but I don't know. I mean, you guys talk about this. This is why you guys are here at men's mental health, but we Mm. really struggle with expressing and feeling emotions. And dad and I talk like, talk about this and we struggle with it ourselves but uh, for that first three months it was like you're in shock and like everyone around me my poor sister and dad were really like dad dad's a, he's good he lets it go he you know he feels his feelings he's a pretty forward thinking bloke for his era and I, I I just I was like nah problem solving mode I'm, I'm sure everyone's being a bloke yeah mm. and you just like gotta do things <laughs> right, being get a bloke. this done go into placement gotta do this right yeah. Sammy needs help and I need to be the one who's got my shit together yeah and like I, I just I, I don't know when the moment was I think no yeah it was a couple of it was three months later I was on a meditation retreat because I I mean after India that all had a big impact and yoga and physio sort of coalesced for me into this unified path that i'm still walking today and i i go on these retreats where you you practice the meditation so it becomes a a, like a becomes natural you know like like walking like like doing anything playing guitar and one night i just let go and all of a sudden it all came through and it's weird like when you don't fully understand grief like the experience of it Mm. to let it to let go 
and just let turn the tap on. Yep, the tap. <laughs> That's it. It's almost like a river. Yeah, like a, bang. Yeah, 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 it just needs to just needs a fraction. Well, it's like a cleansing moment or something, isn't it? It's just like an yeah. uncontrollable, right? Like yeah, it just, is. Yeah. It is. It's almost cathartic, and that's like, and it's something I still struggle with, but I make a point of of like when that feeling comes up, just to let it happen, because mm. it's. I mean, our culture, and we know it as, as I mean, blokes, as, as Australian men, that we there's this stoicism that sort of has come down from that post-World War II generation, just toughen up. And they've got a spine, they were strong mm. men, but emotionally they were a bit traumatised. And so mm. we've, we haven't been taught to well, They feel. weren't connected with it. They weren't, yeah. and they weren't helped. Like, to be honest, we didn't have, like, I'm really lucky to be, um, to have my girlfriend, Rebecca, who's a psychologist, and just, not just only her as a person, but her, like her professional skills with like, just... There's so many tools out there. Luckily, mm. I live with one but, um, to be able to help me. But, um, you know, we all have people we need to talk to. But, to ha- like, there's skills that we can all learn as, as, as people, as blokes, to, to let this stuff pass through really quite easily because you feel good when you let it all happen. Mm. Right? Mm. I mean, you guys have felt that. For 100%. you, was, was the grief for you like it just happened that one time or has it, has it been like a continuous sort of thing like ever since that you've still sort of, you know, process as time sort of goes on? At mum's funeral, uh, I, he's pretty much my uncle. He went on the bike trip with dad, Steve Cowley, said, and this is a man in a family that have dealt with a lot of grief, and he said this analogy that I feel like fits to everyone and from, to me to this day, he said there's waves of grief. And initially it's like a hurricane, there's storms, and like, it just feels like you're being pumped. It's like um, this massive waves hitting you again and again and again, and then, and then they lessen off, but they never stop. And every now and then... Uh, you'll get hit and like just the other night I was chatting with my neighbor and she was saying how she oh she lost her mum from cancer as well like when she was about my age and she's a bit older and um and she was just saying how she sometimes feels like there's a push right which just like that she gets a push from her to do something or to make a decision like oh, you should do this and or if she doesn't do something she feels like she it's like her mum's angry with it and and then I afterwards I was like yeah wow and then I thought am I listening to her like if she's up there if she's here or whatever or like am I listening to that part of her that's still with me and I just walked in Beck wasn't home and I lost it mm. but it felt really good because I guess when no one's around you it's easier to do that because you're not bound to the social norms you can, yeah you yeah. can be a blubbering mess and not <laughs> <laughs> you can ugly cry and not have to worry about what oh, you look man. like yeah exactly no <laughs> one's no one's looking and it has a proper ugly cry but yeah right. it. It clears you out, and hundred um, oh, percent. yeah. And I felt, I felt like I, I f- yeah, I felt like it was. I don't know what it, it sounds a bit. Tr- tr- I don't know what the right word is. A bit too contrived, but I, f- you feel like you're honouring the person when you let that happen, or you're honouring the experience, whatever it was horrible to make you cry or to make you feel upset. I felt like when I let that go. It was like mum was sitting there nodding at me going like, yeah. Well, there's a lot of energy yeah. going both ways, I think, isn't there? Like love is a very powerful thing and, you know, yeah. I think grief is just probably an expression of how big that love was, you know, just coming out of you somehow, right? Like, mm. Yeah, big time. And you never, like, I mean, I always found it weird, but mum always said that she never stopped missing and dad said this too about his parents, like they never stopped missing them. And yeah, and like... And now three years down the track, like we're nearly coming up to the anniversary on May 10th, I still, I feel like I'm really processing it now. And like for anyone out there, it 
don't should that it go, should go away because it's sh- I don't think it should and and if it's more intense good okay let it happen that's because I struggle with that but luckily with the yoga stuff and those ideas and the people that I have around me they're like just let it happen yeah well, that, well that's what I sort of want to go into is you know we spoke about it before we came on air it was sort of the, the coping mechanisms that people choose when yeah. like this is a major event and you're a young man and you're at uni and you know you're the eldest son and way to the world on your shoulders you've got a lot <laughs> of shit going on right and you're trying to pass uni and then your mum is like just ripped away from you right yep you've got every right to just fall into having the shits with the world fucking it's against me um i'm just gonna hit the bottle get on the drugs and just mm. fucking leave this space you know what i mean but you chose a completely different path, and and like why and why was that? Why did you choose what you did? And it comes back to that. Like I wish I knew that stuff when I read that Buddhist book. It was, and this is what I feel like I want to give to every bloke, every person. Uh, is this? We always feel uncomfortable, and we all want to feel good, but we've got this mistaken idea that we can always feel good, or that we can get rid of bad feelings when we feel them like that that uncomfortable and it can be anger it can be sadness it can be anything and it's a physical sensation that sensation that's stuck in your chest and and what i was given was a framework to go if you feel that without restriction without labeling without judgment just the raw take it on like let it pass through you so it's the most courageous thing i feel like I've, I've ever been taught to do like beck talks about this a lot with her clients and i think brene brown's a great person that speaks about this like with her ted talk and stuff but this this ability just to feel and be vulnerable uh was really freeing and it was only because i've gone through that and practiced it with a yoga thing with particularly with meditation because you you don't deny anything when you're sitting there the whole point is to be with what is because it's not always good it's not always rainbows and butterflies and what you're really developing isn't a, a great mindset for the day to kick goals. That's a side effect. What you're developing, developing is a steadiness and a cushion to the crap that we all have to feel. And a big bit of resilience, yep. I suppose. Yeah, that resilience. I, I, there's a word I really like that sort of I feel like trumps resilience and it comes from this book over it. It's called Anti-Fragile. And it's like, because resilience is like something that stands strong in the mm. face of it. Mm. It's like it just stays tough. Yeah. Whereas anti-fragility is, I, f- I really resonate with this. It's like it gets stronger in the face of stress. And I feel like that's what in my head was pushing me with any of these. And it's like, it's not just yoga. You can do this in the gym and then go and see a psychologist and have the same effect depending on your intent. But you come out feeling like you're... you're um, yeah, you're, you're happier. Look, it's tough because when you, you can get overwhelmed by these sensations, and I do every day, and you want to take the easy route because we all want that's the, like we all want to take the easiest option. Oh, it's just so much easier to just crack open a can and just chill out and watch Netflix and, and just numb. But the problem is, is that a denied f- sensation, a denied feeling that you don't pay attention to, in my experience, tends to 
intensify manifests yeah so what do you think it is it's kind of like a lot of a lot of people particularly blokes are kind of scared of uh, facing different kinds of emotions uh. that they do feel and i suppose that is when it's like oh fuck this is a bit scary like, <laughs> woo soldier boy what's that yeah woo woo <laughs> hang on let's just fucking drink that one away <laughs> yeah i i still to this day i'm trying to figure that out like um why is it scary there's a story that I get that I got my yoga teacher and Zen teacher. He's a Zen monk, and two teachers back from him uh, was this guy. And this is a story that really encapsulates it for me. Is this old Japanese monk named Kodo Sawaki? Of course, his name's Kodo Sawaki. Yeah, uh, just and he was called the homeless Kodo. And he walked across Japan. He didn't like being in a monastery. He was a bit of a rebel. Anyway, this bloke got like so much stuff happened to him. He and in the I think it was in the Russo-Japanese war in like the early 20th century, he got shot and and his and a bullet went through the back of his head and split his tongue, and he ended up like, I'm not sure whether I'm combining two stories here, but anyway they can be, and he ended up under this pile of like a bunch of dead bodies trying to trying to like get get through and not be caught, and he said like later on in his life teaching meditation as a as a Buddhist monk that. Sitting in meditation and practicing, being with his own thoughts, feelings, experience was more scary than being under a pile of dead bodies with like a bullet wound in his head. Uh, and and, I was like, and oh. a split tongue. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of a lizard tongue going on there. And so probably, yeah, he had like a lift for the rest of his life. Yeah. But my yoga teacher, like he'll, Mark will say that, my teacher will say that. He'll like, it's no small task, but it's... But I guess like anything that we all, like blokes rise to the challenge. I think it's mm. part of what, like what any, not just blokes, but people. But it's something that like that men tend to direct themselves towards is challenge and growth. And like I feel like when it's framed from that perspective rather than this vulnerability thing that you're weak for expressing feelings because it shows, I don't know, maybe it's because you... I don't know. Why do you guys think you're shifting from the norm? It's, it's not what people do. I think it's. I, I was like the a big thing you just said then was like growth. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you, and I see it all the time on Instagram. It's just like all the stuff you're reading. You know what I mean? Like it's fucking cool. And like <laughs> it's like oh, like I've just realised this today. You said something the other day. I was around nutrition. It was like oh, I've just anyone that thought this that's actually wrong. I've just found the answer. and It's just here. And I was, I was like, oh, oh, I love a, that stuff. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but that's like a, a growth thing. And I was talking to my mate last night, Cam. I was just like, you know, at the moment. Like some, like I'm just fucking want to absorb as much fucking information <laughs> as I can. But I never hungry. used to be like that. I used to be the guy that was like, I fucking know everything and <laughs> fuck you. You know what I mean? It was just it was easier then because yeah. I didn't want to show vulnerability. Oh, you know, man, you know so what I mean? Good. And I that's I just felt I just felt that I was creating this fake fucking world to try and impress other people it's just all bullshit it's an outer shell i feel like a a lot of people right now like given what's going on globally are you know self-isolating or whatever everyone's stuck like lives have changed but Mm. so many people are stuck in their own existence right now where they actually have to self-reflect and think about you know what's going on and how they're feeling and it is scary and a lot of people are forced into it Mm. but you know you said it before blokes Rise to the occasion. People rise to the occasion, but sometimes you just got to be thrown in the deep end, big time. Yeah, sometimes you just got to be chucked in the fucking deep end, and yeah. you just you you know you got two choices. Like, Cause I mean, you you're, you're who you are through your experiences. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, mm. it would probably be a lot different if your mother hadn't passed away. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, and yeah. we wouldn't be here if Dan's there's, mate hadn't passed away. There's so it's many like things, so much shit, so many things that happen in play that you connect the dots. And like you said before, I thought it was really important what you said before when you were having that conversation with your neighbour. 
about, oh, am I doing, you know, what she would want me to do or they would want me to do. That ability to self-reflect, that is the part. Like, that's the yep. key bit there. It's not yep. whether you're doing what they had mapped out for you. It's that ability to even think that, oh, shit, am I doing the right thing It's not the all? answer, it's, it's not the question. The, it's the question, yeah. Big time, yeah. That life <laughs> well examined. That's a, ben, you can just <laughs> put that video. There's that 15-second Instagram cut. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is so true. Yeah, I've, I haven't had it framed like that before. The question mm, that is it. Yeah, mm, yeah, and, and not enough people sort of do that. And I think that's why looking at COVID and everything that's going on at the moment, where I was talking to you earlier, where, you mm. know, when you came in, that a lot of people are have been chucked into the deep end now, and uh, like unfortunately, so many people have lost jobs now, which mm. sucks, and financial stress and everything that comes along with that is just a nightmare. And I, you know, I feel for so many of those people. There's a lot of people who would have been in jobs that they were sort of just, you know, getting by and they yeah. sort of hated it or whatever, but Fuck, they were just doing it. There again. <laughs> but but now they've been now they will be forced to do something different. Mm. And there will be a lot of silver linings that come out of this for a lot of people because it's not until you have a, a you know, a drastic change in your life, an event like this that forces change. And change is good. Mm. You know, like Thrive on it. you got to you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable, and oh, there's another one. And now, <laughs> clip. Oh, that's so, so good. good. Wait, is, can yeah. you stop cutting me off? Sorry. <laughs> it's so. Well, I mean, there's just so, so much juice coming out of this. Please yeah. keep squeezing your lemon. It's oh, great. that's gone. I've lost it. The, no, no, the, we nailed it. It was. It's, all, it's yeah. good. It's good the, shit. Like I like. Like I just I like the fact that apart from all the suffering, which sucks there will be silver linings to this and people may not be able to see it right now. And like you, at the time, you might not have been, you wouldn't have expected to go into that exam and ace it. Oh, no, I I was like staring down the barrel. (laughs) Like, so many things and you just, you find a way, like humans are, you know, we are anti-fragile. We're here for a reason. We're not made of glass and, you know, it's just about getting uncomfortable, throwing yourself in the deep end, trying new things, like putting yourself out there. It's just, it's powerful shit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's, man, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm loving this. Yes, you feel so fulfilled anyway, though, because I feel like when, you, when you're really on the, on, the, on the edge on that, it's, that's where the juice of life comes out. Like, mm-hmm. it feels, it does, the lights are dimmer and every, like, everything feels less... I know there's that. It's like I remember a yoga teacher saying, "It's like you, you want to become a connoisseur of life, like because the scare, scarcest resource is time, not money, not anything else. And each moment you want to be able to take in, like it's the tastiest morsel ever. Yeah, oh yeah, just just oh, like this conversation, <laughs> these yeah. bright coloured shirts. Yeah, like, yeah. How good is this? <laughs> the best podcast room on Riverside Place. <laughs> Mate. I'm giving out an address. <laughs> Don't come here. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm joking. So good. But um, the 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 one thing I've um, been thinking about recently with everyone being in lockdown is that a lot of people are going to feel uncomfortable with their relationships mm. as well. Like whether or not that's mates they're living with, or if that's a wife or girlfriend. Like a lot of the time, um, it's easy to just get up, go and do something, get out of the house and, and get out of that environment. Um, but now we're sort of, we're locked in there. So it's like, it's interesting. Stuff. Little things give you the shits that didn't, that didn't give you the shits before. Ooh, yeah. yeah, but there'd be a lot of Stop relationships. sitting there on the couch. Get off your Move. <laughs> <laughs> the, but the, but the, the idea that a lot of people now are going to figure out more, not just about themselves, but also relationships that they've got. Mm. And that'd be, there'd be a lot of people going through some pretty interesting 
relationships at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. We're all through it. I reckon, I mean, each of us going home tonight, like, and I mean, we're probably lucky we can still drive around a bit in Queensland, but yeah, like, I mean, my girlfriend's working from home and, you know, we've, we've had to sit and calm down and talk through some stuff where we've both gone off and been like, why, why is that mug in the wrong place? Or why is this <laughs> not done? Or something stupid. And oh, mate, that's completely human. That's the, yeah. like, that happens, you know what I mean? That's just sort of like, yeah. It's your ability to be able to sort of process that and kind of work through it that is like builds a lot of solidarity, yeah. right? Like That's it, man. You know, yeah. when, you, when the mug is in the wrong place, sometimes it's easier just to say, yeah, fuck, sorry. <laughs> yeah, literally. You know, like I didn't mean anything by it. It was just, you know. Ah, like, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> do it again the next day. Just yeah, <laughs> just, just to poke him. No, but I've like, I mean, Russell Brand said this really well because like he's a big proponent of all this stuff and in those moments where you're about to flip, right, I feel like this is where this stuff comes to – I mean, it, from yoga and meditation or just mindfulness in general, it comes to the fore because you get a decision. Whereas before, like we were talking about this with pain and, and your dad, like, and, and I'm, we've, we've all had this when you – and you just, oh, everything's so uncomfortable. You just want to, f- and you flip and you get angry or you say something. Whereas, like, when you train in this stuff and paying attention and asking those questions that you said, Dan, you you get a choice. And, and in it's like time slows down <laughs> and your pissed off wife or girlfriend standing there in front of you going, why did, and you just go, and I get this moment and I'm choosing it as much as I can where I go, yes, I'm sorry. Or I and I and you take the karma response, and then you watch what they do, and all of a sudden, because you feed off each other, we yeah. all do, the situation de-escalates. Oh yeah, mm. and I know. Oh, and you're just like, wow, I didn't think that would happen. Sol- solved it. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Tick. Like, it's contagious. I, Karma's contagious, yes. right? Yes. Oh, Matt, that's a new shirt logo, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing um, I remember when we first um, had a beer with your old man. Yep. Remember, he was telling us about a trip that you did overseas um, to a, a meditation retreat or something like that. Mm. It was sort of you meditated for like an extremely long amount of time, and yeah, and, and it was sort of like ten. Da- I think was it the Vipassana one? I can't remember. He was saying something like you can't. You said you came. If it was out ten of, days, that was probably the one. Yeah, that was probably <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. I did a couple of those. So I, I mean, some of the listeners might know about this because it's pretty popular now. Because there's one up in Pomona. I've done a couple of these now. Now I go to Zen ones, but these retreats you go into a center and funnily enough i had to come back to australia to learn meditation properly i went to this center in the blue mountains in blackheath um and it's this vipassana center where you go and it's kind of like pay what you can afterwards pay it forward for the next people so they can come whatever you can and there's room for 50 men and 50 women and if you're new to it you get put in a bunk room and you have to be quiet for 10 days no speaking, no formal contact unless you have to. There's a teacher, there's a, there's a manager in case, you know, something goes wrong or someone needs to call in. And for 10 hours a day, for 10 days nearly almost, you, in the Vipassana course, you, you, you stay still and you, for the first three days, do a particular meditation technique where you're just basically just following the breath and trying to keep your attention on the end of your nose. So you're training For that. 10 hours? But yeah, in not continuously. So you get them. The longest would be a one-hour period. Okay. But it, that capacity to, and I guess this is where I really learned it because it was like, oh, guerrilla training. And like dad always thought it was weird and I felt like it was <laughs> nice because one time we had this family lunch and there was this like gung-ho, awesome, like female Air Force pilot, like, you know, decorated 
service woman and and she said yeah I've done one of those and I was like oh cool like what did you think and she looked and she said like to everyone in the room and on the dinner table and she's like yeah it was hardest thing I've ever done in my life it was worse than anything in the air force and I looked at dad and I went what do you reckon oh you reckon mate (laughs) (laughs) there you go so you're so you've gone out So your old boys probably so out at field days and shit, and they're like, "Oh, how's Ollie doing?" Yeah, no, he gets the weird story. <laughs> he's in the. I don't even know if he says anything anymore. He's in the Blue Mountains, not talking. I don't know he's breathing or some shit. <laughs> Sitting in a dark oh. room, willingly. God, yeah, that's so funny. So I suppose first thing that comes to my mind with that is if it's an hour and then you get a break, but you're not talking, it's sort of. It's torturous in a way because you know you're going back into that shit again, mm. over and over and over and over again for ten days. Is it just like torturous yep. or calm? Like, but you get both. So you're you, you. I mean, we've all heard that saying. You're your own worst enemy. But that intensity and that's it. Like that battle right there was the hardest bit for me. It's for some people it's physical pain, and I dealt with that a bit. But thanks to yoga, you know, a bit more flexibility. You can sit there. It's all good. But that that mental warfare it almost feels like. And, you, and how much you construct it every day, but it becomes most apparent there because you have no escape because the conversation deep, like bring, brings your awareness out of that lower, like the depths of your consciousness. And I, you have to sit there and go, oh, wow, there's a part of that's a thought. And you learn to become metacognitive. Like you, you learn to look at the thought as a something separate from yourself. And that's where that decision I talked about before comes in. And this is the best thing because particularly for blokes, particularly for anyone to go, oh, that's just a thought. Like that's just a cloud or that's just something passing by. It's not me. Like it, it's not something that I have to own. It's And so much of our thinking is. And so when you're battled with that and you're dealing with these, oh, God, there's seven more hours and then there's nine more days, it's psychologically taxing. But then, uh, like, the, I always say in my classes, and this is something I've just been handed down, it's not mine, but they say in yoga there's two wings in, for, the, for the bird to fly, for it to work, for the engine to move. There's dedicated practice, abhyasas, the old Sanskrit word, effort, discipline, trying something doing something and then there's viragyam that ability to let go just surrender let the feelings happen let the thought and i just went okay well i can't escape and a great book that looks at this is like victor frankl man's search for meaning he was a psychiatrist that survived world war ii in the in concentration camps and he talks about this and he says like it was the men the people who had this sense of inner resilience inner meaning uh and an ability to to let go and and not let their thoughts override them where they were where they had that final freedom that couldn't Mm. be taken from them and so in those moments not like far less grand not a nazi concentration camp i just went that's a thought i'm here for a reason and i trust the process and then it was like an opening to a new world like inside there was another level of calm your heart rate would slow down all these pleasant sensations and you realize why people shave their heads and don't marry because you're like this is this is pretty positive it feels really good and it's really meaningful in a way i kind of i feel like it's in a more layman's way of explaining kind of like controlling the controllables to a degree like if you just sort of let yourself go to you know what your environment is well then you can become at ease with it and start to 
yep. kind of you that's know be able to handle it. it. I guess in a way. Yeah, that's it. Like, the, what's the old serenity prayer? Like, uh, give me the. I can control what I can and let go of what I can't, mm-hmm. and and that's that's what I, I, we all have to come back to. I come back to, and it's a constant effort practice. Uh, and in those moments, like I'll still go on these retreats to train that capacity because it just gives you this. It translates so well, like, uh, and and it and it surprises you. Not that you, I mean, everyone sits or does things for different reasons. Like they go to a church or they go to a gym or they go and do something for different reasons, but it really, the effects come on really late. So it's not like exercise where it's like, oh, I'm noticing I'm getting a bit fitter. I can lift a heavier barbell when I'm doing my deadlifts. Or, but then six months down the line, something happens. Or like when my mum died and I just felt stable because part of the ideas and stuff I'd learnt was saying, I've got it tattooed on my right arm. It's like everything is going to change. It changes real Im- impermanence. Impermanent. <laughs> Everything's impermanent. Mm. And that's and that's a good thing because if it wasn't, we'd all be stuck in in just boring, like in, in it'd just be frozen. It'd be shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's boring. Um, but this, it sort of starts to speak to, you know, this idea of discomfort. You're wrong. Imagine if we were still back at that old office, you know oh. what I mean? Oh. And I'm glad that Give changed. Give me strength. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I suppose it speaks to a lot of this idea of discomfort and, you know, kind of yeah, getting getting comfortable with that idea of, you know, change and impermanence, as you say. And once you can accept that, I suppose you start to really, uh, you know, savour those moments. Like you said, we just you just said it, like that morsel, everything that you you've, do. You've, you've learnt, that's a learnt thing now. You know you what that is. And it becomes default. That's the thing. Because yeah. you want this You're retraining stuff to yourself. be... Yeah. In, you want it to be accessible in every moment. And you want it... Um, so like it's far more it's far less uncomfortable to choose that discomfort voluntarily that's a joe rogan thing i think than to let it happen to you you know to get out and wake up at 6am in the morning and, and sit on my meditation cushion and then go to a gym or get on my yoga mat or exercise it's uncomfortable in small amounts but if i don't do that i'm faced with discomfort anyway because it's all like there's a level of suffering that's inevitable but if you face it and i still have to like i'm, I'm not good at this it's still a practice but if I face it, it becomes so much less. Fuck yeah, that's that's what it is. It's like not not hiding from the fact it's never going to happen. It's just like yeah, let's go out and yep. put ourselves through a bit here, so we're better for it. Big you know time. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because like it's yeah, it's interesting because it's a lot of um, that letting go. It's also like quite a a lot of yeah, like the Buddhist. Uh, Part of it's like mm. the meditation and, and letting go, and then like the Hulk thing with Christianity is like forgiveness, and yeah, you know, like it's just so like essential. a quite a circular type thing. Is everything um, in that space? It's sort of all about letting go. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that surrender. I mean, I, I, there's a word that I hated growing up because I was in a Catholic primary school, and I don't know, my nerdy little brain didn't like it, and I was like, it just doesn't make sense. But now, I've faith. I didn't like it, but I've come back to it now. And my teacher talks about it a lot because I think we all we all have it and use it in some way and it comes in with that surrender because at some point your little ego and story about yourself needs to be dropped and you need to have a sense of faith in whatever. Your friends, your family, you, you know, your team, your workplace, your, you know, particular religion. And then you let go and, and go into something bigger and more meaningful. Accept it. Except it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that's what yeah, I mean, geez, we're getting deep, deep here. here. <laughs> but like <laughs> you know, when you go when you go into religion and so many people like I mean, I'm same, I grew up uh, you know, I went to Catholic yeah. you know, schools growing up. I was an altar boy when I was a kid. I had 
elderly. Jeez, have you got a photo of that? Uh, probably somewhere. Oh, mate. <laughs> I had elderly. Loretta, uh, if you're listening, email it through. Thank she you. won't be listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, at, when I was young, it was like, yeah, you know, religion is, you know, this is God is a real thing. And, you know, mm, you need to yeah. be doing this. And I, and I feel like through that, at the time when I was young and impressionable, I really took that on. Yeah, you do. But it sort of went away. Like, you know, when went through that, well, it did go away in the late teens and early 20s, all that sort of stuff when you start to go on a bit of a journey of self-discovery or whatever. Mm. But the fundamentals to it sort of stay the same. It's not just about that particular religion. It's kind of general you know, metaphor for life. And yeah, you, start, think, yep. you see, and you start to get everything. Yeah, and you yep. start to get that perspective. And so, when there's a lot of people out there who, you know, really bag religion and this, that, and the other, it's probably mostly like anything because they don't quite understand it. It's mm, not about, I suppose, yeah. preaching and Bible bashing, but more <laughs> a bigger, like a, a greater faith. Um, you it's know, and a bit of an understanding around existence, and it kind of it settles people. I think we're we're anxious monkeys, and yeah. we need something to calm us down. We do, and for some people, like we, you know, I we, I like my falafel kebabs, and <laughs> not everyone likes falafel kebabs, and but we, you know, we, we all need something to calm us down, yeah, and sure. to give us a sense of direction. But I think that like the interesting thing is because like my wife's like very religious, yeah, and like I like she always says the the thing. The, the beauty for her with like you being being a Christian is that mm. she's not putting herself at the top of the tree. Bingo. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's and like it. that is what so many of us do is we do put ourselves at the top of the tree, and it's just like fucking we got to be we got to be everything. You know what I mean? But when you can show that vulnerability and accept and sit back and ground yourself, you know what I mean? It's pretty. No, cool. that's that's. I mean, yeah, that's probably it. That's the nail on the head there. That line. It's it's that ability to. I mean, your last guest said it. It took him the 20 trips on Kokoda. And I yeah. just loved it. And he said that then it became about every, like about the people I took. Mm. And I was like, and I feel like that's when life's working. Um, like the Dalai Lama has this line where he's like, smart, selfish people know that to be happy, you've got to help others because that's where the best feeling, that's where the best fulfillment is. Yeah. Whereas dumb, selfish people think about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. If you, and if, you can't, if you can't help yourself, help someone else, right? Yes, if you can't yes. help yourself, if you can't find happiness, just go out and find a way to help someone else because that's where shit really starts to tickle your pickle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, But it reciprocates too. Oh, so good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you, like the other day, like we hadn't been back to the old office. Well, sorry, my mum hadn't dropped in to pick up um, all the <laughs> return orders. So, <laughs> so what are you doing? She will be listening. <laughs> Love your work, Sue. Love your work, Mum. The orders hadn't come back. Um, the return orders hadn't come back, and I hadn't um, refunded people. And um, it was a slow start to the day of sales yesterday, and I knew there was more returns there than we'd made in sales. And I was like, "Fuck, I don't really want to do this." Yeah. But I was like, "I'm gonna, I can bite the bullet. I'm mm. gonna do it." I can literally, as I did the last one. An order came through that reciprocated everything that I just refunded, Whoa. and I was just like, "Fuck, this stuff happens all the time." And the same thing, what? like last a couple of months ago, I hadn't I hadn't made the TX donation, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I got to do the TX donation." Made it, and we were already pretty short on change because we just put a new order in, and then fuck me, like the three biggest days we'd ever had. It was fuck. It just shit happens. Like it's just crazy, you know? I've, yeah, there's a real like. Synchronicity is that word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to it all. Oh, it's funny. It's like representative of um, how so many people uh, put off a lot of issues in their life or hide from issues because they're scared of the outcome. Oh, yeah. You know? And it's And it's just like rip the fucking Band-Aid off. <laughs> yeah. like, it's got to ha- – like, <laughs> like, yeah, like I had to do you, the returns. You can I had to do the donation. It was either – like, do it then or it's going to get worse. Like, so just do it. You can either torture you know? yourself or just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just, yeah, rip it off. But it, it comes off. back and it's like – I 
the thing that um, I've heard a lot of times is like Tony Robbins when he that was me tapping um, <laughs> when Tony Robbins was the man. like on the he was on the bones of his ass like when he first was mm. he was he was trying to prop his mum up and she was like ripping him off and then he left and he was at a cafe I think he sort of says and he had like ten bucks left and he saw this um, mum and daughter there um, that was having breakfast and the daughter like said something really nice to him and like he just got up and went and paid for their breakfast and and left and he was like that was my last fucking ten dollars but i paid for them because i was like fuck that like they they deserve it you know and he was like that was sort of the kickstart to him and it was like the next week he got his like dream job start and like it just started to roll on but it was like he was really vulnerable to say like yeah i'm happy to give that away it's really cool like Uh, that's so powerful i think it's for that there i look at that and i think right time right reasons like I think for anyone listening who's like, oh, yeah, on I'm your last gonna, ten bucks, yeah. I'm gonna go out and just <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> like, yeah, buy that person a coffee, yeah, just yeah. To, to try to get some good vibes. I don't think that's gonna it's work. Not, it doesn't work it's like that. You don't same. do it for the yeah. good vibes. You just got to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's got to be got to be organic, I suppose, right? But yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting. They like they talk about it in I, the reason why I really gel with like Zen Buddhism, this sort of Japanese version, which really is Chinese because it was there for ages before. They talk about it. You sit when you're practicing meditation or sitting down. We just call it sitting because I don't really like the meditation word at all. We would you just sit, you pay attention, your breath, simple, like nothing it's fancy. So yeah, <laughs> oh, I just you know, <laughs> like what a, what a descriptive <laughs> word. So what it looked like? I was you just woo woo. You've heard woo woo before. You <laughs> know, yeah, yeah, no, I, I just love haven't it. heard in a while. It's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Mercury's in retrograde, and I'm going to blame that for all my problems. Uh, we always <laughs> laugh about it at home. But anyway, yeah, you're sitting there, and because you're so, you're you kind of you gel body and mind. You unify it. And then you don't help someone because you think they need helping. You help them because it's an instinctual gut response. Yeah. Then compassion is just your nature. Your actions just, it's like, yeah, there's no second thought. And I'm like, that's, I mean, that's like the highest ideal for me. Yeah, it's awesome. Just to go, don't even think about it. Yeah. Well, it's got to be, I think that's got to be a subconscious decision, doesn't it? Because then that's where you, I suppose, your true colours kind of really come out. And that's, that's what you want. Authenticity. Bingo. Be yourself. Yeah. <sighs> well, fuck. Yeah. You, wait, um, no, no. You don't want to touch on the rest of it? Well, not really. I feel like it's a whole another podcast. It is now. a whole I think podcast. Well, I mean, we know where you are, so we can get you back. Yeah, I think. I think just down the road. Yeah. Well, just to, for context, I was gonna Ollie being a physio, we were gonna sort yeah. of take it and sort of talk a bit about some actual physio stuff as well, and tradies and pain and blokes and pain and that sort of stuff in general. But it might be another podcast. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, I want to know because, um, like I said before, mm. you had a live um, yoga um, session. I must have been about three weeks ago now yeah, on the yeah. Sunday morning and Lance and I got out there on the deck and had a go at it. And I remember there was like, you, for anyone listening, like look up Ollie's Instagram. He's, his old man calls him the, what is, the rubber man. What, do you, what does he call you? Uh, I don't know. Pretzel. Is That's it. The human, human pretzel. pretzel. <laughs> That's it. The human pretzel. And um, you were doing this move and, and Lance... Lance is doing oh, it. Please she tell goes, me she farted. No, no, no. She goes, no, nah, she did And she goes, she goes, um, how are you going over there? I'm like, I'm doing it. And I'm like, I'm all like hunched over. Contorted. And she, just, she just lost it, started laughing. And I was like, ah, oh, you've stuffed up my rhythm there. Oh, it's hilarious. That's where but, I wish the microphone was on. <laughs> but the people um, out there listening who, you know, are possibly in isolation now mm. um, that are thinking, gee, this sounds like it's pretty interesting. How can I get involved in some yoga or, or some mindfulness and some meditation? Well, you know, how can people find you and, and, and check out what you're doing? Well, 
at the moment, um, Instagram's probably the best move. So I'm, I'm in the process of filming a bunch of yoga classes and putting them on Vimeo, which is like YouTube, and then um, and get just to make yoga accessible. But that's just me. Uh, I'm, I'm one of thousands of people out there. And so for people, particularly blokes, uh, wanting to get into meditation, um, I'd get them towards the Sam Harris app. He's a really good... Uh, writer about all of this comes across really calmly um, and like my girlfriend's been using the app because you know she won't listen to me Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Beck, that's fine sounds like a fight on the cards <laughs> no it's okay <laughs> who put that fucking mug there that's <laughs> <laughs> so good oh every day oh man but um yeah and then like I'm, I, I love helping people with this stuff so like honestly reach out message me um, let me know if you have any particular questions about like any of this stuff or how it relates, um, particularly physio, pain and everything. But um, great places to start with yoga are uh, I teach uh, Lighten Up Online. It's a studio up in Townsville and I'll be putting up my own stuff. And then there's heaps of stuff. YouTube, uh, Glow.com, uh, what's the other one? Um, Allo Moves. There's all these online subscription places. So whether you're in Longreach or New York and you've got a decent internet connection, Thank you, NBN. Uh, hopefully, uh, and you can you can stream and practice and no, do anything. I'm at bloody New York. We're, we need money. Yeah, decent yeah. internet connection. Yeah, we can't even get a <laughs> Riverside place. Oh, Yo, you've said the address. Oh, you can't shit. Up Brisbane. I bloody hell. That out. Can you cut ben, that out? Yeah, can you cut that out? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah, mate. I mean, it's awesome yarn. Yeah, we really got deep there, but it's you know, blokes can talk about this shit, can't they? But that's hey? what we're we here should. for because we we're here to talk about the real shit. Yeah, no yeah. one's fucking doing what we're doing. <laughs> God, it's uh, um, no, it was really, uh, yeah, I, I loved that. It was really good. I think there is a whole another podcast here about uh, you know about treating physical injuries, right? You know, because I think it's such a massive one for tradies. Oh, mate, and I could blokes talk for general. hours about that stuff. Yeah, but, uh, before we sort of finish, it's like the. Oh, I already pressed stop recording. Oh, damn. No, I'm kidding. No, the, um, <laughs> is the fact, you know, like we're, we're trying to um, empower blokes to, to open up and, and mm. talk and, and, and about seek mental, help. And seek help at yeah. mental health, right? Yeah. But th- some people won't even go see someone if they've got a sore back. Yeah, they won't. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's like it's the, the vast um, things that people fucking just – Bury and just hold on to the pain, when it's that, like the pain that people go through because they don't want to hear the answer. Yeah. They don't want to find out like why. People like <laughs> the, the our old um, Star Trek driver at the old shed. Yeah, he was a heavy cigarette smoker. Fucking, he was having a heap of chest pain. And I said, "Oh, like you'll have to go to the doctor." I fucking go to the doctor, man. I fucking go to the doctor. <laughs> I mean, I got, like, got my buddy yeah, Dutch master on here. I'm like, I'm just like, why? Yeah, I don't know. Whole other podcast. But for anyone out there that's going through any pain. Reach out. And if you're not yeah, going to go know. to the doctor about it, then fucking don't whinge. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we've got telehealth now. You can you can call in to your GP and or physio with private health rebates, by the way, uh, and, and get some help. Like from the from the comfort of your own bed, you can sit there and call your GP and go, hey, mate, I've got a problem. Yeah, right. So just know that as Australia. How, how easy home. is that? There's also apps out there as well oh, that you can, you know. Heaps. So many good ones. We're really lucky. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That was awesome, mate. Oh, Thanks, guys. Really Such appreciate it. And appreciate your vulnerability, mate. Just opening up, telling us your story is fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's massive. It's, um, Thanks, it's heavy and we, yeah, really appreciate Can't it. Can't wait to hear what the big horse has got to say about <laughs> this, you know? We'll <laughs> wait. Wait and see. Yeah, we, we, we won't tell him. We'll just wait. <laughs> you we'll just wait. <laughs> just surprise. Surprise him. Hey, Chuck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks again, mate. Awesome, and, um, mate. Cheers, yeah. bro. If you're a fan of Trademarks 120 Grit podcast, we'd love to hear from you. 
Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademark.com.